Yo, what's swinging, nation? Welcome back to the podcast. My name is Fred Moore. Welcome to the Steel Mace Nation podcast. Uh, today's guest is Virginia Lamar. She is a certified personal trainer out of Virginia. I met Virginia in uh, the summer of 2019 when the Vintage Strength Games kicked off their uh, first competition down there. And she was one of the competitors, and she had an interesting story to tell, so I asked her to come on the podcast. She is also a certified nutrition coach. She's a NPC bikini posing coach, and she's also a competitor um, for the uh, NPC bikini competition. Before we get to the episode i just wanted to give a shout out to everybody in the steel mace nation land who has helped support this podcast through various ways one of those ways is by purchasing the uh, shirts and hats like the hat i'm wearing ladies tees men's tees thank you everybody for buying those uh products and wearing them and posting them up i also want to thank everybody who i gave a free shirt to on my travels who uh, wore one and just, you know, said, hey, what's up, everybody? I'm wearing a Steel Mace Nation shirt and uh, sharing it, you know, just help spreading the word that this podcast is out there. That's the best way for you guys to support. And, uh, you know, the other way is I have a couple sponsors, and one of them is Ongo Energy Spray. Three sprays in your mouth, and you get 75 milligrams of caffeine that work almost instantly. We're talking like three minutes here, and you don't get – the bloat you don't get the heartburn you don't have to drink the sugar and you don't have to have a full bladder while you're working out or you're having a pullover every two minutes because you have to pee uh it's a great product you should try it out if you go to ongoenergy.com you can purchase it and use the discount code steelmace25 to get 25 percent off and one other sponsor is origin training academy that's my man Blake Hendricks, uh, who's also a guest on this podcast a couple episodes back, he has an online website, you know, that you could, uh, it's a subscription website, and you could get all these cool workouts. So it's relatively cheap. If you use the uh, discount code SMN10, you get that, uh, you get to be on that website at $10 a month for the first three months. And you can check it out and feel it out and see what you like about it. So thank you, everybody. Enjoy the podcast. Everybody, Virginia Lamar. How you doing, Virginia? I'm pretty good. How about you? I'm great. I'm very excited to have you on the podcast today. Um, I just wanted to thank you for coming on. I know you want to share your story with us. And I know you have uh, quite a bit to talk about. <laughs> so feel free to just let it flow, um, you know, and I'll just ask a few questions every now and then. But uh, I did. Yeah, I did get the opportunity to meet you down at the Vintage Strength Games uh, over this summer, tw the summer of 2019. And uh, you did stand out from the rest of the group. Um, Is it the fact that I look like a fucking giraffe? <laughs> Pretty much, yes. But you know what? You look good as a giraffe. You look great. Oh, thank you. I, I, uh, no, but I, um, I said she looks interesting, and you looked like you were just having so much fun there. 
uh, not like everybody else wasn't, but um, I, I said <laughs> everyone else was miserable. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but you uh, you looked like you were on a, a little bit of a mission too, and so I did come over and I started chatting with you, you know. And um, you, it turns out you do have this awesome story. Well, I wouldn't say awesome, but hell of a story. Um, so f- first of all, um, you're uh, from Virginia, right? Yes, I'm Virginia from Virginia. Get your jokes out now. <laughs> That's the only joke I have. That's it. Okay, good. Yeah. Then we can move on. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Let us. And um, yeah, so you, um, you, I met you at the Vintage Strength Games. How did you wind up over there? Because you are a bikini competitor and trainer, yes. and that means you're you were you came out of the traditional style of training weights and uh, hypertrophy training, you know, dumbbells, barbells, that kind of stuff. And there you are swinging an eight X club around your head and uh, for time for five minutes. And uh, how did that come about? So um, we need to rewind a little bit. So uh, I was competing for two years Um, and then coming off of my competition season into my off season, I think it was like three months into my off season, I got a really bad concussion while I was at work. I bent over to pick up a piece of equipment. There were two pieces of equipment over me that were too close together. And when I stood up, I hit the back of my head into a barbell and it was lights out. Knocked yourself (laughs) Um, out. Yeah, it was pretty fucked up, man. I felt my brain hit the front of my skull. I got nauseous. And I was, I knew instantly I was like, oh no, <laughs> this is bad. Yeah. Um, so recovering from the concussion, um, I couldn't do anything for three months. I was laid out in bed, having seizures, could barely walk, talk, do much of anything. So obviously working out was out of the question. I had to rehab and go to physical therapy. Uh, spent a couple months just spinning my wheels, spinning my legs around this um, recumbent bike at the gym with my head cocked to the side, super embarrassing and humbling. Um, So as I started integrating back into strength training, I couldn't get intracranial pressure up in my, in my skull because it would cause more inflammation, more symptoms. I'd get sick, pass out, yada, yada. Um, So Prior to the injury, I played around with the steel mace um, at my gym because my buddy Sergio, who was also at the Vintage Strength Games, and he did pretty well too, <laughs> did a lot better than me. Um, <laughs> he introduced me to mace flow. And then um, months later, after my injury and stuff, I got in contact with Brad through um, the shop. Um, Brad Hutchison. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. He's awesome. Yeah. And he kind of mentored me and taught me a few things and told me about the vintage strength games. And I was like, this is a really cool girl, uh, blah, a really cool goal. I don't know why that was so hard to say. Um, it was a really cool goal that wasn't uh, physique focused. Cause as you can imagine, as someone who was rip shit shredded, then laying in bed for three months, it's kind of like a punch in the gut yeah. to look in the mirror and be like, oh my God, I don't even look like a fucking lift anymore. So to have something else to focus on while I was continuing to build up muscle again, and you know, it just took the focus off of like taking progress pictures and like just thinking about, excuse me, my phone just went off. 
Yeah, um, throw it out the window. <laughs> Get rid of it. Threw it on the couch. <laughs> um, it took the focus off of um, just my body and um, just, I'd previously I had thought of maybe doing like a powerlifting meet before my injury in my off season, just to mm. kind of challenge myself. Cause I have a few, a few of my teammates had done that and it was yeah. super fun and inspiring and I was like, oh, that sounds really cool. I want to get strong as fuck, yeah. uh, but not realistic for me. <laughs> so I just put a lot of my energy into getting good at mace and um, had a lot of fun. So doing, putting myself up on a platform and performing a skill as opposed to standing in front of an auditorium full of people half naked in a bikini that was scary for me. Like I'm way more comfortable being on stage in a bikini than That's I am. That's amazing. Yeah. Than I am like swinging a piece of steel over my head. Um, and I don't know. That's, yeah. that's how I, that's how I got into it. You, you, I remember you seemed, this is what I remember. And this was so, what was so cool. You seemed like you were a little nervous, but at the same time you were enjoying it so much. Like you were in that moment. And that's why I thought you stood out because you really were just like almost, what am I doing up here? But hey, I'm up here, so let's have fun. And everybody you could see was so rooting for you. And, and uh, what did you do? The, the five minutes straight 360s, right? Yes, the two handed 360s uh, for a five minute cycle. Yeah, you were tight the whole time. I mean, your 360 looked good the whole time. You know? It was okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I saw the video. There were a few ugly ones. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, you know, you're you're still a little fresh at it. You know, maybe maybe at the next one uh, at, when they have it in Miami, you'll go and you'll do even better. But oh I, god, I, don't... <laughs> I like how you you chose to make a challenge out of it, and um, and this is a, a really cool testament to the mace itself because um, you know you're you're you found something that you could actually exercise with while you were dealing with your health issue. And, you know, great thing to talk about, you know, to the steel mace community and when they're working with their clients and stuff. Um, I just taught a class last weekend and a woman had an issue where her heart rate would spike like dramatically. Mm -hmm. So it was a half conditioning, half mace class she couldn't do any of the conditioning and it was, if the maces weren't there, we wouldn't have had a, a good day at all. And she loved it. So, uh, I have a very similar problem. Uh, my, my condition POTS, which stands for postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome has very much to do with the cardiovascular system right. and my autonomic nervous system. So my heart rate will spike and drop and as well as my blood pressure and, um, you know, that's, that's really cool that she could, um, also find strength in using the steel mace and not feel like she was limited. That's yeah, that's fucking awesome. Yeah. It's definitely for like, I'm sure you could attest to this. You've been, um, exercising regularly. This is part of your routine. And then all of a sudden the, the brakes are screeched, halted. <sighs> you, you can't do anything now. Oh, stab the knife in and twist it. Why don't you? Yeah, that's got to be demoralizing. So it, do you feel like finding Mace actually saved you as far as that's concerned? I feel like I wouldn't say it saved me. I feel like it 
it made me, I don't know, I'm trying to find the right words. I don't know. I don't know if I would use that language of if it saved me. I feel like it changed your, it your me, focus. Yeah. It gave me another outlet. Yeah. I felt stuck and sad and it was something else to focus on. And it's fun. I love learning new things. I'm a personal trainer and um, it's, I'm always trying to expand my knowledge, um, not just for myself, but for my clients as well. And it was just really cool to learn a new modality and find another outlet because I wasn't going to let myself feel limited because, you know, like bodybuilding and doing one modality for a long time can feel very limiting and kind of like boring. Yeah. Um, so I never like to back myself into a corner like that. And this having this injury was kind of like an opportunity to explore um, and try new things and use that information like a tool for, um, for my clients as well. Right. Now uh, you're a coach for NPC competitors, right? Like you coach. Uh, um, I work with, I work with athletes on uh, primarily their posing and their stage presentation. So okay. hair, makeup, uh, what color suits to pick, um, how to perfect their posing routines, because you could have the best body on that stage. But if you stand up there like a freaking T-Rex with like no grace, uh, you could get last place. So mm. I help a lot of particularly new competitors um, get comfortable with being on stage and uh, posing and feeling like they can, they can move gracefully. Um, as far as uh, training and nutrition, I work with mostly um, like general population, lifestyle clients, um, a lot of like middle-aged older women who feel like they're stuck and, you know, want to like, want to get in shape. That's like my ideal client and who I really vibe with, um, as well as younger kids too. I used to be, I used to be a choreographer and a dance teacher for, um, a theater company. And, um, I went to school for, early childhood education. So I really vibe with like the younger crowd as well, but that seems to be like my clientele at the gym is like older women who are like ready to kick fitness in the dick and then little kids and teenagers who are like feeling lost and, yeah. you know, unsure of themselves and like insecure and then finding that power within themselves and empowering themselves. I'm a huge that's a huge part of my philosophy. It's not just about, you know, good form and picking up weights. There's a whole psychology behind training. Um, and the best exercises are the ones that people are actually going to do and that they enjoy. So I'm never just a bodybuilding coach or a strength coach or a conditioning coach or a nutrition coach. It's all about that psychology as well. Are you introducing Mace to the people you work with? Um, the clients that I currently have, haven't really expressed interest. <laughs> um, and my buddy Sergio, um, he works with me and he is, um, certified in on it mace and yeah. steel, uh, steel mace flow. Right. So, um, anytime I meet somebody who is like really interested in learning and expanding their knowledge on that and trying to learn that modality, I send them his way because he has that certification. That's like all he does. He yeah. is the kettlebell and steel mace guy. So I'm like, 
look, like there's somebody here who knows a lot more about this and can give you proper cues. Just because I know how to do something doesn't mean I know how to teach it well. And I'm, um, I'm going to stay in my lane. Yeah. Essentially. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's, that's a good lesson to anybody new, uh, any new coaches coming into the scene. It doesn't matter what it is that you're coaching. If you're a steel mace coach or traditional bodybuilder, kettlebell guy or girl, um, make a network, right? Make a network with uh, other experts uh, in their fields and you guys can uh, refer to each other. So I'm sure yeah. he could send people your way. You could send people his way. And this is a great way to have like a happy uh, coexistence with everybody. And, and again, you don't, you're right. You don't want to just like teach something that maybe you tried out a few times and you know, a few things, but you want to give somebody the full experience. You want to send them yes. to the right coach. Oh, a hundred percent. You see it all the time on Instagram too. You see, uh, really pisses me off like biggest pet peeve ever. I'm going to get super angry, even just talking about it. You'll see girls on Instagram who are like, I recovered from an eating disorder and now I'm a nutrition coach and I can help you, uh, get your life back. And it's like, dude, like you are not a, you're not a dietitian. You are not a certified health professional or mental health professional. Like what the fuck are you doing? Right. Yeah. If I have a client who I feel like may be struggling with like eating disordered type behaviors or like have like a really bad illness, I'm going to refer out because that's not my place just because I have struggled in my past with like an eating disorder and I've recovered does not mean I am equipped to give you the tools to battle your eating disorder. And like, that's like, Oh, so right. fucked up. <laughs> yeah. But it happens across, like across the board yeah, all the time. I don't think it's ever going to stop. No, not, not with, <laughs> not, I don't think so. Not with Instagram and, and well, social media in general. Yeah. Everybody could become an expert overnight. And, oh, you know, God, you, oh. when you, you know, when you, when you research um, a coach or a trainer or, you know, any, uh, a nutritionist, yeah, you, you really got to dig past that Instagram grab you in the face kind of post where they're just throwing out a lot of glitz and everything. You got to look behind it. What's their, background what's their certifications and everything like that yes. and then probably do a discovery call ask them a whole bunch more questions yes. don't commit right away there's plenty of people that are out there and also you don't want to just go for the first cheap thing too because cheap is yeah. right you know so i mean yeah you're gonna probably pay more for a well-equipped certified trainer uh, dietitian whatever but you're yeah. getting exactly what you're paying for you're getting the the thing you need yeah. And I can't even tell you how many people I've talked to. Um, even just recently, I talked to my friend who um, just hired a hired a bodybuilding coach to do his first show. And I'm like, have you even like talked to this person? <laughs> He's like, oh, I think I'm doing a show. We picked a show like, uh, I think like the end of November. And I looked at the NPC schedule. I'm like, dude, there's no fucking show. <laughs> like, there's no sh like, like, do you even know what the name of the show you're doing like this is not good do your research people yes. <laughs> actually have a conversation with the person that's going to be taking your health and your life in their hands like they're going to be controlling every aspect of your day essentially from like training and nutrition that's like your whole fucking day right. <laughs> like, yeah. like you don't want to um put yourself in an unfavorable position 
make yourself feel like shit. Right. And you're also a precision nutrition, uh, uh, precision nutrition certified as well, right? Yes. Yes, I am. And did you, um, did you get that certification just for your own knowledge so you could be a better competitor or is that something that you also provide for your clients? Um, I got that certification so I could better, um, provide that knowledge to my clients. Okay. Because do you use a coach when you prepare for a competition? I do. Um, shout out to Stephen Bogrand at Team Pro Physiques. Uh, he's not only my coach, but one of my best friends now. Great. Yeah. So you, yeah. you formed a tight relationship with him. Oh, my God. Uh, Pro Physique is like a family to me. Yeah. I, I couldn't have expected that even when I reached out to them. I just needed a new coach and I liked their philosophy and their morals. And um, I liked the type of athlete that they were producing. And I wanted to be a part of it. And then I got hooked up with uh, Steven and it was like, we just vibed. And I felt like I could really trust him with my goals and um, with my health as well. There were a few times that, um, you know, health was a concern and he always put that first over any sort of physique goal, which is super important. Yeah, that is, um, that it, again, you know, um, a good coach will always take your safety in mind first. They get hung up sometimes where, um, they want to give you those results to prove that they're, they know what they're doing. And, um, that's, oh, yeah. not, that's always... not to say that Steven didn't, didn't push me. Right. <laughs> Definitely prep is not easy, no matter how healthy your approaches it's it's not a healthful endeavor and getting to sub 10 percent body fat as a female feels like shit yeah so, <laughs> so uh is that the lowest you've ever got 10 percent? that's amazing. i got to well i did is with um with body fat testing it's hard to find or do something that's going to be like 100 percent accurate yeah um i was using the in-body scale at my gym and is that thing 100% accurate? Uh, no, but um, I used it consistently. So to anyone out there who's testing their body fat regularly, just do something consistently, same time of day under the same circumstances. I would recommend first thing in the morning before you eat or drink anything after you go to the bathroom is ideal. Um, so I use the in-body at my gym under the same circumstances um, as such. And, um, it read, I think after prep, my lowest was around 7%, seven and a half percent. Wow. And that's down from what? Like what's like, a oh, normal. God. I think, I think when I started prep, it was around 19, 18, 19%. Wow. And how long yeah. did it take to go from 19 to around seven? We started prep um, in January of 2018, and then I finished my season at North Americans um, at the end of August, like around the end of August, first week of September, and then that's when I retested my body fat. So, yeah, it took me a long time. That's yeah, <laughs> slow and steady, slow right. and steady. But it very strict the whole time, right? Yeah, I mean, I followed my macros. Uh, we used a flexible dieting approach. So um, there's really no food that's off limits. So if I really 
was craving something, I'd let myself have it, but it always had to uh, fall on the parameters of um, my macro guidelines. Right. And that's not to say I would just fit junk in every day just for the hell of it, because I could. It was, I always do a very like 80-20 kind of approach where 80% of what I eat is exactly what you would expect from a bodybuilder, um, very bro-like foods. And then 20%, if I was like, shit, I really want an Oreo, I would just let myself have an Oreo. Um, How do you have an Oreo? That's what I want. (laughs) I have a whole sleeve of Oreos. Uh, Here's my tip for you all. All right. This is a, this is a secret. <laughs> what you do, you get the double stuffed Oreo, you make cream of rice and you crumble it up in the cream of rice and you melt it in there. And the whole bowl tastes like an Oreo. Boom. My goodness gracious. You just saved me. I'm doing that. I'm going to do it. I'm going to report to you. I'm definitely, I have cream rice at home. All I got to do is get the Oreos now. Yeah, take one or two and just crumble it in there, man. It it makes the yeah. experience last longer. Yeah, and you get you you get something to fill you up a little bit. Yeah, it was always it was always like I would eat something like that, like surrounding my workouts too, because you'd get that quick carb and right good to go. That would be a post workout meal, right? Uh, typically pre workout for oh, me. Okay, I yes. I right. eat Sorry, a really. What... I tend to eat a huge breakfast in the morning. I have what's called a tapeworm metabolism. Oh yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I eat a pretty huge breakfast uh, before I train. Um, and with my condition, um, my adrenaline response is hyperactive and like malfunctions because um, that's part of the autonomic nervous system. Right. And my body just eats up glucose really fast. So high sugar is a big part of my diet. <laughs> wow. That I kind of lo- lucky you kind of sort of, I know you'd rather not. Yeah. I'd rather not. Yeah. I hear you. That's so this, this uh, pots is something that you're going to have to contend with for your whole life. Right. Yes. I'll likely be on medication for the rest of my life. Yeah. I'm now, currently I've, on a blood pressure medication that elevates uh, my blood pressure and a high sodium diet. So I'm eating roughly 10,000 milligrams of sodium a day. Wow. Yep. I'm yeah. drinking an electrolyte drink as we speak. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I, you tell your story pretty well on Instagram. If, if you know anybody wants to check out Virginia's Instagram, it's Virginia underscore Lamar. And uh, y- you have... You know, I followed it along, and I know, yeah, you had to um, uh, discover what you had, and it was because you got the concussion that you actually found out what you had. It was underlying, and you were just oh, yeah. able to get by, but then the concussion really kicked it up, and you had exactly, yeah. yeah. Oh my god, it's so crazy. I would have never gotten my um, my diagnosis if it weren't for this concussion, but also my pots wouldn't be this aggressive if I hadn't gotten the concussion. So essentially you basically outlined it, but I've had pots since I was probably an adolescent because I can remember that far back that I was demonstrating some symptoms. Um, some of which is like really bad chest pains. I randomly can't swallow my food. So it happened to me last night. I was eating like sweet potatoes and I was like, like gagging on it. I had to spit it up and like drink a bunch of water to get it down. Um, 
I get very faint. So when I stand up, I get orthostatic and um, my blood pressure drops and I start seeing stars essentially. So I have to like sit back down or lay down so I don't pass out. Um, and I sweat randomly. Um, and this is my BTMI, but I urinate like way too fucking much. Like okay. I'm like an old person. My no. body just doesn't retain salt or electrolytes very well. So oh, hence so why I have to eat a very high sodium diet, but like all of this was happening for years. And I was just like, Oh, I'm just, the doctors just keep telling me I'm really anxious and I'm just a hysterical woman. So that must oh be true. Oh my God. I know. Don't even, that's a whole other tangent. Hysterical. Like, <laughs> raise your hand if you've been personally victimized by a doctor, ladies. Holy shit. Um, that's kind of but, a com- common thing, I, it seems like. Well, oh my God. Is it? I can't it tell you thing? how many people I've talked to, how many women I've talked to who've, who've dealt with the same thing trying to get this diagnosis or any sort of, like any answers. Right. Doctors just like, you're being hysterical. You're, you're just anxious. You're just depressed. Are these um, just like the, no offense to doctors out there, but is this just like your regular family doctor doing this? And it's, it's yeah. not until you get to I the higher. I actually had my, my GP uh, laugh at me this year when I told her that my concussion clinic was sus- suspicious of POTS. They did all these tests and they were like, you have dysautonomia. We just need to know, like, is it POTS or is it like some underlying disease? You need a referral to cardiology. So I go to her for this referral and the bitch laughs at me. <laughs> She's like, that's not a real illness. Oh I'm my like, goodness. okay, you're not my doctor anymore. <laughs> yeah. Bye. <laughs> Goodbye. That's not a real illness. That's- yeah, for real. So, so yeah, I had like all these symptoms for years and then um, kind of just barely existing. I have chronic migraine disorder too. Uh, which is absolutely um, correlated with the POTS. Okay. So when I hit my head, um, all of the concussion symptoms and the POTS symptoms, they were all kind of like intermingled and like it was kind of muddied. So when I saw the concussion specialist, she was like, well, like how many of these symptoms were you having prior to the concussion? I was like, uh, some, a lot of them. So she was like, I think you might have POTS. Oh. And so I, I really, I'm so grateful that I was given this doctor through workers comp. Like, it's just like the stars aligned because she is so freaking smart. Um, Sarah over at the concussion clinic, Sarah and Lennis over at the concussion clinic in um, Ashburn, um, Virginia. Uh, I think it's at Innova Loudon Hospital. Um, they're amazing. Absolutely amazing. Um, yeah. So they had caught it and I guess the rest is history. Yeah. And you mentioned earlier, uh, something about an eating disorder. Is this also related to the pots or, uh, no. So, um, gosh, I just sound like a freaking train wreck over here. No, you, um. wait, hold on. You, you don't because you are a person, you are a go-getter. And you show up and you kick ass and you train people and you make people healthy and you inspire people. So you're definitely not a train wreck. You're handling, <laughs> you're handling a, a major struggle. Yes. Uh, but we all have struggles and that's why, uh, you know, you got to tell your story. So 
I appreciate, oh, I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I had an eating disorder, um, as if life wasn't hard enough. I had an eating disorder started when I was about 17. Um, I used to be a professional high fashion runway model and an actress and, uh, being in that world, there was pressure, but initially I didn't, I wasn't really affected by that. And even before that I was a ballerina. So, wow. and I didn't have an eating disorder during that time. I didn't give a shit. I yeah. ate, I jumped around and again, tapeworm metabolism right. didn't really, didn't really have negative thoughts about my body. Um, until I went through puberty and, you know, body starts to change. And at the time I had already had my modeling contracts and acting contracts and there was pressure from them being like, Hey, like your measurements aren't the same. Like you probably need to clean up your diet a bit. Stop drinking soda. My parents were like, Oh my God, you're ruining your life because you're not, because you're getting fat. And it just like all, crumbled and during this time I was also in a very abusive relationship with an older man um and so I wasn't getting positive feedback from him either yeah let's just put it that way we're not going to go down that path today but no positive feedback on that end it felt like everyone who was supposed to be loving and supporting me you know during fucking puberty like they weren't doing that for me and I wasn't getting that right and um things just kind of spiraled. I started taking spin classes and um, started going to the gym and counting calories. And then what started out as like, okay, I'm going to go on this diet to like fix it. And then maybe I'll get that love and approval. And then it just, over time, it just became obsessive and weird and paranoid and like, started taking diet pills and I was heavily using drugs and eventually turned into a full-blown eating disorder. And I experienced full spectrum of eating disorder behaviors. It wasn't just anorexia. I was bulimic. I was over-exercising. I was orthorexic. I um, was binge eating. It was just so intense. (laughs) So intense and weird for a long time there. So that was eight years of my life in and out of hospitals and treatment centers. And um, I had a couple brushes with death. I had a doctor tell me, I think it was like almost five years ago now that um, I had like two weeks to live. I was in a cardiac unit. Oh my God. Um, and I, my heart rate was something like 20, 29 beats per minute. Um, they had like the paddles next to my bed and like all these freaking tubes and I kept pulling the lines out of myself. (laughs) It was horrible. Why were you, why were you, were you pulling the lines out of yourself because you were like just totally out of it or is it because. Yeah, dude, when you're, when you are that, um, I don't want to, I don't want to outright say how much I weighed because if anyone's listening that is struggling or like, um, I don't want people to compare because it doesn't matter if like you're literally knocking on death's door or you're 
you're like in the beginning stages of an eating disorder or whatever, all eating disorders are valid and deserve help and treatment. And I feel like a lot of people get into this mindset of like, oh, I wasn't as sick as her or like, I'm not sick enough. And right, no. right, like, right. If you, if you have a mental illness, you're fucking sick enough. Yeah. Um, but things were worst case scenario for me. Um, so you can paint that mental image. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I was just so cuckoo bananas out of it. Like your brain atrophies when you're that emaciated. Um, so I could not think clearly. My parents had like signed up papers that I was a danger to myself and they were going to get like a court order for me to like go treatment. And I just was like, no, kept pulling things out of my arms and oh, it's horrible. It's like nauseating just to think about it. And were you um, uh, still uh, modeling and, and acting at the same time? Or? No. So I had, um, I guess I kind of glazed over like a huge chunk of my life, but I had done the acting and modeling. I lived in New York City uh, for several years and then things got so, I became so ill that um, I had to void my contracts and I couldn't live that lifestyle anymore. Yeah. I didn't have thick skin. Yeah. You sit in a room filled with a bunch of people who kind of look like you and kind of act like you for like days, weeks, months, years, that shit gets in your head. Yeah. It's like a young adult who's like not sure of herself with no self-esteem. Like that was like the perfect storm right. for self-hatred. Um, and my eating disorder was just my way of trying to cope. Um, I didn't even realize I had an eating disorder because I was like, right. but I still eat. Like, I thought anorexics, like, just don't eat. <laughs> so ignorant. Right. <laughs> yeah, but you're not um, going to go research anorexia. I mean, you're just, in your own mind, you're just yeah. doing what you have to do to make it through these days. Exactly. And, and it was, just and, happened to be binging, purging, starving, exercising, and drugs, Right. That was my coping skills. It wasn't journaling. It wasn't, you know, fitness in a healthful manner. It yeah. wasn't <laughs> reaching out to friends. It was isolation and depression and, and self-destruction. This, and it was all taking place in New York City at the time, a place where. Yeah. You- and then um, and then I, I ended up moving back home for a bit okay. and then it was happening there. Right. Um. And it was just, yeah, it's just was mess, yeah. <laughs> total mess. And yeah. it wasn't until um, after my final hospital stay and coming out of the hospital and like my body was just like done. Like they had forced me to gain weight because that's what you do in like a treatment facility. They force you to gain weight. Um, but like I, can't, I got out and I relapsed like I always had done. And my body was just like, we're not we're not having this again. Like, we don't care that you're like, that you're like X pounds heavier. Like we're Dunion rings. <laughs> and, um, I had to make the decision and I was like, okay, like this is do or die. My, my dietitian at the time was like, you need to make a choice. She's like, you can either, you can either continue and die in a few months or you can go get help. And then I decided, you know, maybe, my life is worth living and maybe I could be lovable and maybe things could be better for me. Cause I don't like, I don't want to die. Right. And then that's when I made the decision to, um, I went to Oliver Pyatt in um, Miami. I called them and was like, it's, it's time. Like I need to do this. So 
and that did it. I just, and it wasn't the treatment facility. It was my mindset. It's so important that, you know, you get to a place where you're like wanting to do this for yourself and it's not somebody else forcing you. Right. Um, and that goes with anything in life. Like that goes with health and fitness too. Like, like I can't tell you like how many people go to the gym and stick with it because someone's making them do it. Like, I think that's zero people. <laughs> yeah. You have to really want to better yourself for those habits to um, become a lifestyle. Yeah. And it's not, would you say it was, um, we, we hear a lot about motivation, like, oh, are you motivated to do this? Motivated, motivated. Um, but like, we're not motivated to brush our teeth. We just know we have to, right? <laughs> yeah. So isn't it fitness kind of the same thing? Like you can't really rely on motivation. It's just like, yeah. I know, I know I have to, because otherwise the other choice is wasting away to nothing, I guess, or getting fat or something. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, it's really, um, and I say this to my clients all the time. It's not the motivation that gets you through life. It's the determination. Um, the same thing goes for fitness. I don't wake up every day like I'm so excited to train legs. Right. Yeah. No, I'm determined to because I got right. goals, and I know I feel good once I'm once I'm in it, once I'm doing it. And sometimes I don't feel good when I'm doing it because I have pots, and it's just a symptom overload. But right. um, I have goals, and that's what propels me um, to do what I do. Yeah. And now, when you train. And you have pots. I guess sometimes you you just can't train, right? You're just like done. Some I days, some days, the really bad days, especially prior to being medicated, it was really difficult. I yeah. could, I could do upper body all day every day um, because I was seated and I felt safe. Um, but when it came to training legs, like any sort of squat, hip hinging movements, which is like fucking everything. Yeah. <laughs> I had to do everything seated, like leg press, quad extension, ham curl, boring. Yeah. I was felt so sad and defeated. Um, but now that I'm medicated, um, I just have to be careful um, and be very mindful of my salt and fluid intake. Um, and I literally pop salt pills while I'm training and I keep like little candies. So I get my glucose up because yeah. that tends to tank when I work out too. Um, so yeah, it really affects my training for sure. But, um, I'm on the upswing now that I'm on blood pressure medication. Yeah. It's a big, big difference. You started, um, so this is interesting though. You, you went through your eating disorder, but then you went into uh, bikini competition and you just said it yourself too. It's not the healthiest diet to be on when you're correct. So yeah, this is we, the burning we, question. Yeah. Are we playing with fire here? Like you could what? be. Um, so prior to getting into bodybuilding and being a competitor, I was recovered from my eating disorder for three full years okay. of no behaviors, no, um, like I wasn't trying to control my body. I was just living and eating intuitively. And that is so important. Anyone out there listening, 
don't think that bodybuilding is going to solve all of your problems because it doesn't. It just, it's supposed to be enhancing your life. It's not a quick fix to fix your shitty body image. Um, I felt fine about my body. I was really loving myself before I got into bodybuilding, but um, I felt really stuck in the gym. I was really uneducated and just, you know, very stereotypical girl who goes to the gym and just gets on the treadmill for an hour and then picks up five pound dumbbells and calls it a day. I was like, I hate this. This is dumb. And then I met my husband who um, used to be in the military he was like, you should be lifting heavier. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'm scared too. And I remember getting underneath the bar at the squat rack yeah. and I couldn't even do it. A bar. And I was mad. Yeah. I cried. I was like, this is unacceptable that I can't even do this. And that kind of like sparked something in me. I was like, I'm not going to settle for, for being this weak. I've been weak for so long. Um, and I've been through a lot of physical therapy too. Like I lacked a lot of very basic functional strength because when you, things they don't tell you when you have a very aggressive eating disorder and you're severely anorexic, um, your muscles, not just, you know, not just like pretty muscles, but like, like the muscles surrounding your organs and shit atrophy and your organs atrophy. So I had to like, go to physical therapy just to stop pissing my pants oh my God. <laughs> like freaking oh, because... woman who's had like 10 kids yeah okay um yeah. and I couldn't like control my core and I was very severely upper crossed and lower crossed right. um so I had to you know just do some basic like body weight stuff before I could even like get into lifting weight so I've built my body from like ground zero I had like zero muscular foundation going into the sport um but finding bodybuilding and an outlet um has been really really powerful for me that's like I got addicted to feeling like I was building myself up instead of you know whittling my body away it right. was just exciting to feel strong after like I couldn't like walk up and down stairs for a while I was bedridden from yeah. my eating disorder right so it was just like a total 180 in mindset and yeah. um, it was really cool. Yeah, definitely. So you, yeah, you went through that period where um, you, when you reflect back on it, you were disappearing. Mm-hmm. From, you were vanishing. I to take so, up less space in the world. Yeah. And now you're like dominating physical presence. Uh, you know, you're, you're definitely, you know how to train you you're definitely linked up with the right people because as i mentioned earlier people look at your instagram you could see some of your um pictures where you're either getting you're close to your um the day where you're competing on stage after whatever but your physique is is excellent now and uh thank you you did you you know what you're doing and and you're uh, i like uh, to think i do sometimes yeah yeah well i mean if people have you as their personal trainer they they're definitely getting uh their money's worth because you know how to like you literally built yourself from from nothing oh that means a lot thank you yeah that's really awesome and you know uh and as far as future competitions things like that are you do you have anything in the works what are you doing 
So uh, right now I'm taking an extended off season. I set myself back uh, several months because of my injury. Mm -hmm. Uh, The goal was to come back in the beginning of 2020 to uh, compete again, to do another um, run at all the national shows. But um, I'm going to take another year off. So it's going to be about another year and a half or a year and some change before I start prep again, just because I, number one, I like eating and training and lifting, and I still have a lot of growing to do. I'm a five foot 11 lanky Amazonian woman. And my feedback was to just add some more density. So Mm -hmm. the goal is to add about another five um, pounds plus to my stage weight. And um, so I can't do that in a caloric deficit. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So if you want to, add five pounds to your stage weight you gotta add probably 10 or 15 pounds pre-competition right and then you're gonna cut to that weight uh essentially yeah so um i'm i'm not currently weighing myself in my off season i stopped uh shortly after my injury because it was just like it was fucking my brain up um during that time so i was like you know what like i know how to eat and train and i'm just gonna do that <laughs> yeah um and it's just been good for me to get back to just eating intuitively um i still track most of most days but on days when i just don't want to i don't which is maybe like two days out of the week where i'm just like yeah no <laughs> um but that's not to say i'm eating like an asshole those days I'm that's just not being meticulous about it yeah um and um Oh goodness. My brain is starting to, that's kind of how I do it too. I track, I track like three days, four days out of the week. And then, yeah, just uh, to have that consistency. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so I, I'm really enjoying the building phase. Cause I mean, it's bodybuilding, yeah. not body shredding all the time. Like <laughs> it's not, it's not what the sport's about, not about being shredded all the time. So yeah, I have to, you have to put on some body weight, um, and I've certainly done that, uh, in my off season. And right now I'm not trying to like, not trying to like bulk mania, but yeah. I'm trying to put myself in a very modest, um, surplus over the next year and maintain and recomp and stuff. Yeah. That's the and best way to do it. Yeah. There's no, there's no reason to, um, gain like 30, 40 pounds yeah. in your off season and feel like crap about yourself. Yeah. And if you um, want to put on five pounds of actual muscle. Yeah. If, you're not going to, you don't need to gain 30 pounds. No, <laughs> you no. Know, and, and you're going to make a better uh, quality gain of muscle if you take it yes. slow because exactly. that back and yeah. forth, um, you know, bulk season, cut season every no, year. Can mess you, you up. Yeah. yeah. Not did, just physically, but psychologically can really takes a punch in the gut yeah right yeah i used to do that when i was younger and and i only was able to monitor it using a a scale which now i realize that's not even close to that's if if i put on a little weight i was like yeah see i'm building muscle how do i know i was building muscle it's probably exactly probably just putting fat on you know or something like that or i have water weight because i ate too much uh salty food or something you just don't know you know so, yeah, I think every I think everyone's made that mistake before. I certainly did in my first off season because, um, you know, it's just ignorant. Right. I didn't know. And um, I didn't really care. I was super comfortable with 
scale fluctuations because been there done that i was over it right then uh when i reached out to my coach uh steven he was like oh dude what'd you do <laughs> we got a lot of work to do now <laughs> it's like oh shit yeah do they charge yeah. you extra when when you when you <laughs> right they gotta they have steven, to work hard <laughs> i got a great get rich quick plan for you <laughs> yeah <right>. <laughs> charge them extra yeah, or that's a that's sort of way to keep them from going off the tracks, right? Like, hey, listen, oh, no, you do terrible. this, we're gonna charge you extra. All right? No, that's awful. It's tough no. love. Fucked <laughs> up. Yeah, I'm just kidding. But so uh, yeah, I'm not planning on competing until about 2021. Okay. Um, and in the meantime, my um, I'll probably end up doing the same, um the same mace competition vintage strength wins next year right. okay and, so you're gonna do the one in, in virginia there you're, yeah right. I, I can't afford to travel and stuff yeah um because i'm still part-time because of my injury um but i'll probably end up doing the same thing just with heavier mace and try to go for at least a couple more reps yeah yeah, so that's good. You're gonna up your game with the mace, and that's and in a year it's gonna be dramatically different. Uh, oh yeah, you know it's gonna just get. I'm so already fun. I'm already swinging a heavier mace and feeling yeah. a lot stronger with that too. So I'm pretty confident that I can do some serious damage next year. My form will probably be, but everything's just gonna be better. You yeah, know, you just, might have a little more muscle, more weight, right? So I can already happen. tell my yeah. freaking shoulders have been growing like crazy since I added mace into my training. Boom. Oh my God! Thank you. Thank you. All these bikini competitors don't know what they're missing, man. Yeah. You want those shoulder gains? <laughs> the swing a mace. Yeah, yeah. And and you know what? This is like my. I thought of this um because I, I grew up in the '80s and stuff, watching Arnold and the pose downs and all that stuff. Oh yeah. And I picture sometime in the future there's gonna be these pose down bodybuilding competitions, but the guy's gonna or the girl is gonna have a mace and they're gonna be <laughs> right? and they're gonna be doing like uppercuts with it and holding it. You know? I mean that's such a great way to bring the two modalities together. You know? I mean if you want big shoulders, man, like Right. <laughs> All all the mace you go on you go online you look them up anybody on Instagram that's swinging a mace regularly they have nice shoulders. Oh yeah, like and it's not just like front and side delt. You got like the full cap. Right. Yeah, I feel like my rear delts have come up a lot since since I've been swinging a heavier mace. Sure. Do you think a super jacked bodybuilder dude like really big muscles? Do you think they could? swing a mace or do you think they're gonna have mobility issues um it depends i mean i have a couple big jacked bodybuilder friends who have pretty good mobility because they prioritize that they're well educated and well-rounded but that's not everyone okay i'd say majority i think everyone could benefit yeah for sure i ask because i hear the comment a lot and i yeah as long as you work on flexibility and and stretching and yeah yeah because i mean you're going to build up a jacked physique like that. You're going to develop issues if you don't stretch properly. That's why there's a lot of yeah. guys all wrapped up. Their elbows are, are wrapped up, whatever. They're not taking yeah. care of themselves. They're just beating themselves down. Yeah, I feel like a lot of um, a lot of people um, who are really into bodybuilding, they neglect mobility and proper form 
and they're more concerned about higher weight, more reps, like just no days off. Yeah. Right. It's like, Oh God, just take care of your body. (laughs) Yes. Right. If you want longevity in the sport, you got to take care of yourself before you wreck yourself. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. Yes. And, and you know what, if you're coaching somebody that's like that, they can't ever take a day off a good way to trick them is to hand them a mace and say, well, this is recovery, you know? Yeah. And, and yeah, it is, you know, move slow, you know, the swings should be almost effortless. Right. You know, yeah. uh, that is a way to recover, but, uh, Absolutely. it's a great way to get somebody out of that, uh, you know, pedal to the metal mode and just pull yeah. them back, you know, say, Hey, hey tiger, just swing a mace for a little bit and chill. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. You feel kind of like a, like a badass like ninja warrior or something. Oh yeah. Do it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's what really drew me in. My, uh, my buddy Sergio was like, yeah, you're like a Xena warrior princess. I yeah. was like, oh fuck yeah. Yeah. I'm a nerd. I'm all about that shit. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. It's true. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you're, you're, gonna be at the next game so um well next year i i yeah. plan on going to the one in miami i hope i could get there uh if i don't i'm definitely gonna be at that one next year so that'll be cool to see you again and um see yeah, see, yeah and and hopefully i'll be competing i i want to compete oh will you that'd be awesome yeah yeah i mean i was watching those you saw what those guys were doing by the yeah. way you're the you're the first person out of that whole vintage strength games group that I I'm supposed to be interviewing everybody. You're the first one on the podcast. I just oh, shit. Ha- I have not been able to get to everybody because my podcast is backed up with guests and been trying to get to everybody. But I plan on speaking with Brad and oh uh, awesome Kevin Stokes and mm-hmm. um uh, uh what's his name uh, the guy from California uh, Juan I think his name was. Uh, train his oh, train. Tra- he's like training the Wong Ray. Yeah, I can't even say it. I said it, and it sounded racist when I said it. <laughs> <laughs> well, then don't say it anymore. <laughs> you don't want people. No, to he's race. cool. Yeah, yeah. He destroyed his hands in that competition. Did you see? Oh, the- I did too, dude. Oh my god, did I you had ha- some wicked blood blisters. Yeah. I couldn't even move my arm for like 20 minutes after it was so swollen i had like the craziest pump i was just like dead arm wow <laughs> gotta you gotta do some serious training to get ready for that thing it's no joke oh yeah i just i just fucking went for it yeah i probably should have practiced for a five minute straight cycle but i was just like ah, eh, fuck it <laughs> <laughs> let me tell you I didn't want to do it because I didn't train up to it. You, you just went and did it. You got me beat. So my hat's off to you. Yeah. Well, <laughs> if it wasn't for Brad, like I probably yeah. wouldn't have had the guts to do it anyway. Cause I was like, I'm not very good at this. And he was like, you're better than you think. Yep. And you know, you should just do it for the experience. It's not about like winning anything. I'm a very, as a, com- I'm a competitor. I'm a very competitive it person. Goes to show, yeah. Um, you know, I go and do things cause I want to win. Right. I don't, I don't half-ass anything. I'm go full ass everything that I do. <laughs> so I was like, I don't know, man. I was so nervous. Yeah. <laughs> but I was like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna do my best and have fun. And I'm really glad that I did. Yeah. Yeah. Great message to send out to everybody out there. Just, just go and do it and don't worry about it. Uh, go, go full ass. I like that. Full ass. That's that's the takeaway here. <laughs> go, 
go full ass. So Virginia, how do people get in touch with you if they want training? Where you're in what town in Virginia? So I'm in Reston, Reston, okay. Virginia. It's about 20 minutes out from BC. All right. And contact you how? Uh, you can contact me uh, via email at um, virginialamar at gmail.com. Or uh, you can message me on Instagram um, if that's more convenient for you. It's Virginia underscore Lamar. Um, if you want to do posing or need help with your presentation, you can find me at Center Stage Posing on Instagram as well. Um, yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. And if anybody's like far away and they can't actually physically visit you, can you assist them with posing and stuff like via oh, Zoom? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, okay. I have like um, I have a whole setup here. Um, I do primarily uh, most of my posing clients are virtual, so we'll do FaceTime or Skype. Right. Um, so don't let that deter you if you're if you're across the country. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, and you know, uh, check Virginia out on her Instagram. You'll see she knows. Uh, she knows how to present herself properly on a uh, competition stage. And, and if you're looking to do something like that, then definitely she could help you. Uh, Virginia, I appreciate you coming on and telling your incredible story and sharing with it, you know, uh, with, with the rest of the world. Um, you're actually doing a lot of people a favor by sharing and you're inspirational. So oh, thank you. Keep that doing, means so much to me. Uh, absolutely. You know, you're, you're, I you're laugh because I'm nervous. <laughs> Don't we all, <laughs> but you know what? You're, you did great. Good podcast. I think you're going to be on a lot of podcasts in the future and you're always oh. welcome to come back on this one. Uh, I oh, always, thank you. You know, I'm always going to do like a, a a recap one day with all my guests. So you're you're definitely going to be getting a call back from me. Uh, I'll, hopefully, I'll oh. see you at the strength games. Awesome! I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Thank you. Take Thank care. you so much. All right. Bye bye.